values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, appreciate you spending some time with us on the show. First thing this morning, the show started at 8.15. We had Phoenix Police Chief Jerry Williams in studio with us talking about the shooting in North the Northwest Valley. There are a couple of things I'm going to address before you hear what Chief Williams had to say, a basic rundown of what happened. Um, we all remember very well what happened in Uvalde, Texas, and it is going to be a blight on law enforcement as a whole for a very long time, especially the people in that community. Law enforcement did not respond, and that was a fault of leadership and giving the orders because officers follow orders. There are other officers that said that these officers should have responded in a different way anyway, regardless of how that went. Um, there was an affirmation in police agencies, including Phoenix here, um, that went after that all happened, leadership across the valley, across, I would imagine, across the state of Arizona, it was reiterated to the police agencies in the state of Arizona, neutralize the threat. Officer safety's concerns come second when the public is in danger. I want to start there. So here is Chief Jerry Williams that was speaking this morning on the show. And this is a basic rundown of the information we had at 815 this morning. So at about 8.30-ish or so, um, we get a call of shots fired in the neighborhood. There's a random gunman just firing and popping off rounds. Uh, our officers get to the scene, and they're met with gunfire. Um, but true to form with the Phoenix Police Department, our officers began the process of engaging the suspect, extracting officers who were shot and injured, as well as extracting community members. Unfortunately, and I'm going to extend my condolences to those community members who lost their lives in this. So we have at least two people who died in that, in that critical incident. But... I will say this. I am certain that Phoenix police officers who arrived on scene, who engaged, saved many lives. Um, in uh, just the thought process of what it would be like for a police officer to going to a scene of shots fired and taking gunfire into your vehicle as you're getting on scene. And I don't know, and I don't know that Chief Williams knew in that moment, how many officers arrived on scene first. Was it someone by themselves? Was it... Um, uh, multiple officers, you know, within a few moments, you know, it was all hands on deck. But in the meantime, this suspect had uh, fired. I want you to hear what she just talked about. I'm kind of jumping around in the interview, but this is how many rounds this guy fired. And I don't know the length of time. I do know that we can say safely that over 100 rounds were fired. And keep in mind, this isn't a handgun, Mike. Right. This is a rifle. So you drive up on a scene, your your vehicle, your car, and I think they're driving Tahoes, your SUV is taking gunfire, and you now have to engage a suspect, and you have to deal with this um, and making sure that you're not endangering civilians. And that's the other thing that people don't understand about police work, and I only understand it from watching it. I've never been a cop. But watching police officers, and we talked about it this morning when I talked with, with Chief Williams, there is a video, and I wish I could uh, post it again. It was looked like a training video. It was a relatively new officer. Officer, and she had been called to a scene with a with a suspect with a knife, and um, it was outside of a. It used to be a grocery. It used to be a Whole Foods, um, and it was at thirty forty third Avenue in, and uh, Union Hills. And she was by herself, first officer on scene, confronted in a parking lot by a maniac with a knife screaming at her and yelling and screaming that he was going to do damage and calling her names. And she backed away. She kept she did everything that you would look at and think that had to be a training video. She kept this guy at bay. She kept her, her gun pointed at him, focused on him. But she was looking. You could see her physically looking around this guy that if she had to fire her, her weapon, if she had to fire her handgun, that she wasn't going to endanger anybody else that would be around this guy. 
guy. I mean, so all of this is going through your mind while you're being pursued with a guy with a knife. Now, imagine driving up on a scene and you're being fired upon by somebody with a rifle. Imagine what goes through your mind. And that to me, that's where when I talk about law enforcement and cutting them a break, um, that doesn't mean we allow people to break the law. That doesn't mean any of that. What it means is these are human beings that go through a huge amount of training so that when something like this happens, their training kicks in and they are equipped. As a matter of fact, this is um, this was her response to that about the officers and saving lives. So, again, I do believe those responding officers on the scene made that effort to make sure we didn't have more lives that were lost. So you had one police officer that had a bullet wound in the shoulder, we were told, and another officer who was injured with shrapnel, and another officer, I believe, that had hearing injury because gunfire, if you don't have ear protection in, and the, the sounds, there was some hearing, but it looks as if nothing was life-threatening for the officers. There were two people that were killed, I believe, in a car when he fired upon a car. Nobody understands or no one knows yet what the motive is with this person. No one knows any of those things. And uh, this is what she said um, about the individual that committed this attack. Kevlar helmet, uh, tactical vest, high-powered rifle. Um, this individual was was set on doing damage to our community. Yeah, and so we don't know if this was a targeted attack at the people in the car, and then he lost his mind. I mean, they may know that on the scene, based on how the scene went. I'm saying for for us, the general public, we don't know. What we know is, and I know that area very well. There's a Cracker Barrel. There's a Waffle House. There's a great Italian restaurant across the street called Times Square. Um, it is a neighborhood around there. It is. Uh, it is. The, although in this area there are businesses there are a lot of houses not far from there and uh, Circle K across the street um and so we don't know what this guy's mindset was. We don't know what set him off. Uh, the fact that he had tactical gear and a helmet, was he supposed to do some kind of a drug deal and he was being prepared for the worst? Why did he shoot these two people in the car? Was it random or were these people he knew? Were they targets? Uh, all these questions still have to be answered. But I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and maybe I'll, I'll apologize if I'm wrong. But of all of the officer involved shooting, you go back to December of last year. So it hadn't even been a year yet where – Officer Tyler Maldivan was, uh, you know, was so severely wounded and was shot multiple times. Uh, the, the, the details of that shooting are heartless and gruesome. Uh, officer Maldivan. Then you had nine officers at a scene of five of them, four of them with gunshot wounds and four of them with other injuries on a scene. You had an officer, uh, two officers that were on patrol following a vehicle that were lured in front of a hotel or, or, or an apartment complex at uh, 27th Avenue in Campbell that were fired upon. Um, you had a police officer who was doing an investigation of partners who were doing an investigation of domestic violence. And then in another scene, um, uh, uh, an officer was undercover where she was investigating gun crimes and saw people coming with guns and was able to put her bulletproof vest on and saved her life. In all of those instances, all of those instances leading up to this one that we've seen here. In every single one of those instances, these were prohibited possessors. These were people that are not supposed to have guns that had guns. So the Phoenix Police Department has had a concerted effort. They've taken over 700 guns off the streets. They've made over 500 arrests of people that are not supposed to have guns that have them. And that's where this begins and ends. So I'm going to go out on a limb. We don't know anything about this guy. I have no idea what his identity is, but we're going to hear some pretty gruesome things about this person. And either it's somebody that's a violent person that's not supposed to have guns or they're going to have family members or friends or somebody that has said in the past, this person needs to be taken off the streets or needs to be investigated.
And I know I, I'm that's not going out on a limb very far. But based on what we've seen before, that's what we're doing here in Phoenix. There were 11 homicides over the weekend. We have got to get those guns out of the hands of people that aren't supposed to have them. You want to focus on legal gun owners? We can have that conversation on another day. But even if we have that conversation, it has to include in everybody's mind that if you are a a violent criminal, if you are a felon that is not supposed to possess a firearm, there needs to be very stiff penalties and consequences if you do. Period. It's the one way that we're going to affect this. Coming up in a moment, we go back to the economy. We talk about what happened on Friday with the stock market. Has there been a bit of a rebound? And what are people expecting to happen next? All that's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Oh, what a day. Um, By the way, the reason why we're playing Michael Jackson today is if you want to feel a bit older, as if you don't already feel old enough, Michael Jackson would have been 64 years old today. Today is Michael Jackson's 64th birthday. Oh, my gosh. I remember the the Thriller video when it came out. I remember how... uh, Ted, how old are you? Do you mind me telling, asking? All right, so you're a little bit younger than me, but not much. Do you remember when that video came out? I remember explaining to people how big of a deal that was that when they used to actually sell televisions at the mall, I remember walking by the TV stores in the mall and everybody would be gathered around, not even hearing it, just to watch the video, the Thriller video when it came out. How he changed music and how he changed when videos were so big, how he changed what everybody did, right? Oh, so glad to have somebody I can relate to when it comes to this stuff. Um, anyway, so uh, happy 64th to the late Michael Jackson. I want to talk for a few minutes about the economy as uh, we've been watching what's happening on Wall Street. And it is um, it is very interesting. I want you to this is another headline I just received. Back to school consumers are holding out for discounts. Inflation effect on consumer behavior is hit back to school spending, such as purchases have fallen behind sales of other goods, according to the research from the NPD group. Back to school spending is below last year, while other general merchandise rose 4% year over year. So um, I'm anxious to see how this turns into the holidays. Uh, one, one of the big things that we are watching is what the Fed is saying they are going to do. Powell said last week in his speech, he used a couple of terms, which is uh, maintaining a restrictive policy, which we understand means the raising of interest rates. And then he talked about pain in in some sectors. And that is going to be individuals and businesses. We are seeing manufacturers worry. There is a big dip in what manufacturers are concerned about because retailers are reporting that people are buying less and they have a glut of stock on their shelves because of the supply chain issues when goods were finally delivered to their warehouses. So they've done deep discounts to try to clear their shelves and people are still backing off. That is not a good sign for the economy because as just as it starts at the bottom rung of the economic ladder and it starts to uh, ruin people when inflation happens, the same thing happens in 
in the job market. Um, unfortunately, the unskilled labor, uh, I'm going to go to the construction world where I came from, unskilled labor that is uh, on job sites, which we consider to be critical, doing things that the skilled labor, so let's say in the, in the, in the uh, world I came from as an electrician, um, we would have skilled labor, apprentices and journeyman electrician working on a job site on specific tasks and moving forward. And we had unskilled labor, people that were their foot in the door, just learning terminology. They were the ones that were running to the trailer to get supplies. They are the ones that were replenishing things. They are the ones that are restocking shelves. They are the ones doing those things, getting their feet wet in the trade, learning terminology, learning the names of tools and supplies that we use until they become apprentices and move their way up. What happens in that world, just like it does in any other world, those are the first people that are considered non-skilled or unskilled labor. They are the first ones to go when budgets have to be cut because you have to keep your productive labor employed. I know that sounds like a harsh thing to say, but it is you need skilled labor performing the skilled tasks, which means they have to pick up the slack and do the other things what the unskilled labor was doing and the trainees were doing. And you're going to see the same thing in the retail world. You're going to see the same thing in the restaurant service industry, when there is a slowdown and people stop spending money or they slow down in their spending, you are going to see the bottom rung of the ladder fall off first, but it will climb from there. So there are such concerns, and there should be some big concerns about what happens next. Now, I was looking, I've been keeping track this morning. Uh, the Dow was down at one point as much as a couple of hundred points. It is now down uh, 95 points on the day. It has not uh, broken even. It started down and it stayed down. It dropped over 1,000 points on Friday as a direct reaction to what the Fed has been saying, that they are now going to escalate and accelerate their uh, their raising of interest rates to try to stop inflation. And when you hear that, when the business world hears that, you slam on the brakes. Now, it is only – well, it's almost September. It will be September in a couple of days. But we're not that far away from holiday season. We know that Black Friday has been has been uh, has always been the Friday after Thanksgiving in November. But we also know that all of that stuff begins much earlier now, and that online spending is a big part of this. People are looking for deals, but the retail world looks to this and says, "This is what we're counting on. We are counting on Black Friday. That's why it's called Black Friday to get us back in the black. That the sales we offer. Well, are people going to have the money for those sales? Are they going to are they going to be so deep in the hole that even the sales? aren't going to pull them out. That is a big concern. So that's what we're looking at. And there's going to be more on this as the day goes on, I'm sure. It's not all doom and gloom, but people are very concerned now about a a serious recession. In a moment, we are going to shift gears over the weekend uh, and this morning, a federal judge and whether or not he's going to appoint a special master and more what we're hearing about the documents that former President Trump had in his possession. All that's coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time on the show or with the show this morning. we got a big update coming up. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit more uh, just after 11 o'clock about our, our conversation with Chief Terry Williams and the Phoenix Police Department about the shooting in North Phoenix. Um, been getting some more information and details of what happened out there and how big this scene is. Um, it is uh, This was amazing that more people were not injured or killed in this. And we're going to talk more about that. And you'll hear what the chief had to say to me uh, just after 11 o'clock. 
A federal judge indicates intent to appoint a special master for the Mar-a-Lago document in review. Um, I've said before that I was reserving my judgment about political motivation because I believe that there was a strong chance that a lot of this was politically motivated. But that doesn't mean that they were wrong. And um, watching news shows over the weekend and listening to people uh, speak, people I respect uh, on both sides of the aisle, uh, but uh, who people I think are have their political motivations but will say what needs to be said. And um, one of the comments I heard this weekend is that certainly in the uh, court of public opinion, this is going to be very damaging to the former president because it's clear that there were documents in his possession that were classified and they were marked DNI um, – um, and it has to do with national intelligence and uh, and that this is something that there isn't reason why the president still had them. And when the president said and came out through his lawyers and said that the uh, National Archives could have had these documents back anytime they wanted them. And then there was a release that came out that said that they had been asking for quite a long time and hadn't gotten any kind of a um, uh, a response. That's where um, – this is where it has to – I want to know what's more about those documents because it doesn't look good. I'll be honest with you. I was someone that was outraged as an American citizen that very sensitive information was being held on a private server and sent over unclassified or un, – uh, uh, when I say unclassified, I guess it would be an unsecured email address where national security documents from the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. And I think that made a big deal in the election. I think the fact that she wiped that server clean and all those other things happened, I think all of that was a big deal. And when that investigation happened, the former FBI director went down a laundry list of things that she had done that he called illegalities, and then there was no prosecution. I was kind of outraged as an American that if you're that high up in the American government and you are compromising the security of America with having sensitive documents, um, I've talked about the room called the skiff many times, and I've had this described to me by a few different people, and it's a secure location where documents are held. And in the old days before the digital days, you went into that room and you read the documents and you only read the documents pertain to you. There were two rules that were in effect that made it illegal. You broke the law if you broke either one of these rules. One of them was if you took a document out of that room, that no matter what you did with it, leaving that room with one of those documents was a violation of the law. The other is um, if you were to photograph them inside, you couldn't record them from inside that room. You had to leave all recording devices outside. And so when this happened, when you had an unsecured server and an unsecured email address and you're sending documents, when they're finding documents on the husband of your assistant, Anthony Weiner, who we know what his uh, things were going on with Twitter and the Internet, what got him into such trouble, put him in prison um, – it was something that most of the people in America were outraged by, and there were no charges against Hillary Clinton. Now, is it apples to apples? I don't know that. I don't know that. But if this president, if the former president of the United States was fat playing fast and loose with documents, if they were in a location that wasn't secured, if there was a danger to national security, if there were documents in the president's possession that he either wasn't supposed to have or if he had them, they were supposed to be in a secure location, then there's going to be, I think, I believe there will be political fallout from that, just like there was for Hillary Clinton. And I think that that's justified in people's minds, not everybody's. There are a lot of people that see this as a witch hunt. And that's the part of it I want this special master to figure out. I want the truth. I want an unbiased look at somebody to say, yes, you weren't. And it's possible that both sides lose. It is very possible that a special master says, well, those are documents that the president should have given back months before at the request of the uh, 
National Archives. But it's also been, you know, that the president um, obeyed other subpoenas and they were given documents that they asked for a few months earlier. And there really was no other reason than for a political theater to do things the way it was done. I don't know that that's what's going to happen, but I want this to be something that the American people can get rest on. And I mean that sincerely. There has got to be a point where we look at the politics in America and we stop hating each other. Every time I talk about this topic, and trust me, I don't, I don't base my opinions of what you think based on what I see on social media. But their social media is a place where people go to vent, and it's usually people that are angry about one issue or another. Every time I've talked about this, I have walked the fence very honestly in saying, I don't know what happened, so I am not going to make an accusation. I am not going to do anything with this until I'm a lot more sure of what I'm seeing. And every time I do that, I get both sides screaming at me, and which is fine. I don't mind. I'll take the heat, but I sincerely want the truth. Just like I wanted an audit of the Arizona election, I just didn't want it done the way it was done. I didn't want it done by a company that was already predisposed to say that the election was stolen because I don't think anybody's going to believe the findings. And the company turned out to be immensely unqualified. They turned out to be immensely unqualified. They are still under a, an order to, to release documents that they haven't released because they've gone out of business. And they're on the hook for I don't know, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines right now. Um, and so they, it was a disaster. It was an unmitigated disaster. And so both sides of this issue, there's one side that says that audit should have never happened. It was a waste of taxpayer money. But the other side, there are, there are good people. And I want to assure you, if you don't know any of them, if you listen to the nightmare that's being spewed out, there about that stolen election, that there are not reasonable good people, that all the people that think the election were stolen are conspiracy theorists, tinfoil hat wearers. They are not. I know a lot of people that legitimately have questions about that election. They should be angrier than anybody else, anybody else about what the cyber ninjas did. And the reason why I say that is because you will never get an answer that you can believe in, that anybody else is going to be convinced of. Because there are people like me out there that thought an audit should happen, and I did believe that. But I knew that this audit was going to be one-sided. I, there was nothing the cyber ninjas were going to say that I was going to believe. They were predisposed. It's not science. But I was convincible. If there had been evidence of, of real evidence put out there that I could look at and say, look at this, I would have gone on the air. I've done it many times. I have done a mea culpa so many times where I was wrong that I would have said it immediately. I was wrong. And now if you look what's happening, nobody has an answer to what's happened in Mar-a-Lago. And I think to avoid that from happening, the American people have to have a special master, somebody that goes out and says, this is what happened. This is all as transparent as we can be so we can move past this. In a moment, we're going to talk about a topic I haven't talked much about, the Hunter Biden laptop, because there is a new poll out. If that had not been covered up as Russian misinformation, would it have changed the election? One poll overwhelmingly says yes. I'll talk about that coming up in just one moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time with the show today. Um, here is a poll, uh, and you know, you uh, 
You know, take what you want from a poll. President Joe Biden, um, uh, a whopping 79 percent of Americans suggest Donald Trump likely would have won the reelection if voters had known the truth about Hunter Biden's laptop, that it was real and not Russian disinformation as intelligence officials aligned with Joe Biden falsely led the public to believe in a new national poll. There were only 1,335 adults that were polled, um, but um, it is a staggering number. Uh, this is a New Jersey-based called Technometrica Institute of Policy and Politics. The vast majority of those following the issue said they believe that the laptop is real, while only 11% still believe it was created by Russia. Um, and you've had uh, – over the weekend, I talked about it. I think we mentioned it on Friday um, that uh, – Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg from Meta or Facebook, uh, gave an interview on uh, with Joe Rogan on his podcast and said that he regrets the way that it was handled, what they did with their, you know, how they they do things with their algorithms and what people see and what they can't see. That it was not that nobody saw anything on Facebook about the Joe Biden or about about the Hunter Biden laptop. That he regrets the fact that they were told by the FBI that this was, you know, it, it followed the pattern of Russian disinformation. So they pushed it down with their algorithms, and he regrets doing that now. Um, is that too late? So if you want to talk about a stolen election, is that the the pathway to go? It would be interesting, too. Um, in 2016, Hillary Clinton said, and she continues to say, we may never know the truth about 2016. And that what really you could have had, you can run an election as well as possible. You can run a really great campaign and still have the election stolen from you. Those are the words of Hillary Clinton, not just Donald Trump, just two different elections. Um but uh, this this poll, it says, do you believe the Hunter laptop is real or created by Russia? Overall, it was 78 to 10 um, or 78 to 11 with 10 percent not sure. Sixty one percent of Democrats believe it's real. Sixty one percent, 89 percent of Republicans and 74 percent of independents, according to these po- these polling numbers. Um, did the FBI. Um, deliberately mislead the public when they claim the laptop was disinformation. Overall, 74% say yes. 74% of people believe it was a deliberate misleading of the American people. 63% of them are Democrats. 83% are Republicans and 61% of independents. That's an amazing number. That's an amazing number. Um, did the FBI and the IC deliberately mislead Congress when they claim the laptop was disinformation? Overall, 76% say yes. I mean, these numbers are staggering. Um, now, again, I don't want to go back in time. I don't think we can go back in time. But I do think that we have to now look at the politics in America, and I think there's a reason why you're seeing uh, networks like CNN uh, revamping every bit of their um, – of their programming. Um, CNN used to be looked at as middle of the road and, and I'm not, this isn't me, um, being a hypocrite. I'm not an, I'm not a journalist. I am an opinion person. I mean, I am paid to give my opinion, whether you agree with it or like it or not, that's what my job is. But if you look at the distinction between what I do and what our news department does, our journalists here are true journalists. The people that work in this building that are bringing you information as a journalist aren't giving their opinions. What they are doing is giving you information. And I know that they double and triple check their sources before they bring things out. They would rather be uh, right than first. And that's the way journalism is supposed to be. It used to be in this country, go back 15 years or so, CNN was the network that everybody went to 
when breaking news happened nationally or internationally. Um, they were what was on in the airport and bars and stuff like that because it was middle of the road. It was just information. We knew that MSNBC leaned left. We knew that uh, Fox News leaned right. But CNN delivered news. And they have gotten so far away from that, them and a lot of others. And now you see what happens when uh, somebody wants – you want to talk about fact checkers. This is one of the most amazing – the fact checkers were the ones that pushed down the information. People that went and said that the Hunter laptop thing is real were pushed down. They were suspended. They were blocked. They were all of these other things because it was was fact checkers said it was misinformation. Now, after the election, all this time later, now they're coming out and saying, no, as a matter of fact, that's not the case. There's real information in this, and none of it is good. Influence peddling and everything else. Even Bill Maher this weekend. Bill Maher this weekend talked about how he doesn't want to be lied to. This is uh, hopefully is going to be a shift in the American public, that the American public is going to look at this and say it doesn't all have to be good news, but it does have to be accurate. And I think that's what the American people want more than anything else is accuracy. Give people accuracy. That's what they want more than anything else. Uh, Chief Jerry Williams joined me this morning at 8.15, and she stayed for two segments of the show as we talked about the shooting in the North Valley. Uh, I've got more information and some things that have come out um, about this shooting that I will let you in on, and I'll let you hear a little bit of what the chief had to say about this horrific event that happened in the Northwest Valley. Stick around.